Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Bitcoin Roundtable. Vince here. I am here with Darren and Libby. Hi, everybody. This is episode 44. What do you want to talk about this week, Darren? I thought you had some ideas. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> well, I believe last week in, here in Canada, we had marijuana legalization. Oh, did we? Yes. And, well, uh, for that sounds the, like an interesting subject to talk about. <laughs> well, for the rest of the world, we Canadians have been high for the last week. Um, there hasn't really been much that's been accomplished. No, wait a minute. That's not what's happened. I don't know. I think uh, well, the some Canadians have been. Some Canadians have been. The first day, a lot of Nova Scotians have been. Yeah, well, they sold out. There was a marijuana store in Nova Scotia that did $660,000 in one day. <laughs> there, Yeah, there were uh, websites that were crashed. A lot of people, sellers or resellers, but the government sold out of product. Yeah. Um, they had shortages, and I was reading today that Canada Post, who has agreed to ship all of the marijuana that the government sells, have been refusing certain packages because of the postal workers said there was strong marijuana smells coming from the packaging. <laughs> so they refused to deliver them. Yeah, I was reading that today. I thought that was really quite interesting. I don't know. Like I said when we talked about this before, about the legalization of marijuana in Canada, I, I, I believe it's all a, uh, a bubble, and I don't think it's going to last. I think a lot of people went on to try it just because they were blown away with the idea that they're able to actually buy something that was illegal and now they can buy it legal from the government they went in and bought it well you know the long term it just kind of turns into like an amsterdam like scenario where it's around and you know for the average canadian it's just business as usual it has the potential in my opinion to become a significant boon to the tourism industry or True enough. certain types of tourists maybe maybe an influx of u.s visitors um, they really can't enjoy that type of thing back home but don't, don't you know. don't you think the tourism industry won't really take off until it's actually in brick and mortar like in april of 2019 you'll be able to buy it from brick and mortar stores but up until then you're only able to buy it online on reddit in nova scotia they're all lined up at a, a brick and mortar building uh, i'm talking ontario that's right oh that's ontario yeah, that's right nova scotia does have brick and mortar at this stage bc of course and i think there's a couple other provinces that have brick and mortar but uh, as far as ontario goes right now it's only legally available to purchase online. Okay, so I guess Nova Scotia is going to get a lot of tourism. Mm. <laughs> Maybe, right? It's oh, a nice city. Of course, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, fly if I'm in New York, it'd be a nice weekend fly out. If I was that type of yep. person that enjoyed cannabis, I mean, sure. I don't know. It will. It's just like Amsterdam. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's way overhyped. So oh, it's overpriced as well. Well, I mean, people are buying anyways. I know. Well, is it overpriced if you sell out? Yeah, but I think right now it's those people that weren't buying before that are buying for the novelty of it. But I also heard this. It's very good quality. I have heard the quality is great. Yes. So maybe, maybe a little goes a long way and the bang for the buck value is the same as it was before. I don't know. Sure, if, if you were buying really crappy outdoor 
growing weed and now you're able to buy choice premium flowers a lot better um for some of the people i've talked to who have been marijuana users um and have been for a long time a lot of them say that the prices are outrageous right now i guess if you're talking black market and you've been buying for a while you're paying anywhere from you know six to seven dollars a gram yeah where with the government you're talking about minimum eight to nine and then you haven't put your five dollar delivery fee on it and a lot of the stuff that they're selling is in and around the 12 to 13 50 range yeah if i was paying six dollars for my good shit on the black market i'm not going to turn around and buy it legally from the government for twice that amount of money but are other people going to or not obviously they are because people are buying it I've also heard a lot of problems with the packaging. They were showing an example on Reddit I saw where a guy was buying a single joint and this single pre-rolled joint came in a plastic cylinder with a cap on it. That plastic cylinder with a cap on it was then put inside a, a film wrap which was stuffed inside a wooden box which was put inside another box with bubble wrap around it. And that's how one joint was shipped. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because he's showing it, right? He's got his pre-rolled joint, which is smaller than a big pen. Yeah. But the amount of packaging is outrageous that they're using. So now they've got the environmentalist up in arms about it. <laughs> the one guy said something very funny. He goes, we've been using baggies for decades now. Why all of a sudden isn't a baggie good enough? Well, maybe the caps are childproof. Maybe that's part of the law or something. That I, I see why they're doing it. Yeah, I get it. But they've got a lot of these big marijuana companies trying to create a brand yeah. without the ability of being able to control the packaging. Right. So how do you create brand awareness on, let's say, black and white cardboard where everything is the same no matter who you are? Yeah. It just happens to be your product within it. Well, they'll find a way. Sure they will. Somebody will find a way. They're spending an awful lot of money. Yeah, well, they sell accessory products like pens or something with their name on it. Or... Well, that's what they're doing. They're, well, they're selling bongs. Or... T-shirts. Yeah. Which actually brings us to another <laughs> point. How's the T-shirts coming? Well, good. Remember, we talked about it, and Paul, you wanted a couple weeks to get some designs, and oh. he's busy, so I'm giving Paul some time. He's, he'll come through with something for us. I have no doubt about it. In time for Christmas for all our listeners? I'm really, really hoping so. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to pin you to an headline. I know you are, and I will not fall into that again. <laughs> I, I, I'm fairly confident that it will be before Christmas, yes. I'm okay. really hoping we have shirts up and ready to go for Christmas presents, because... For all you crypto lovers out there who have a crypto lover on your Christmas list, we're hoping that uh, you want a Bitcoin shirt and, more importantly, a Bitcoin roundtable shirt. Well, I'm hoping we have one to sell you. Well, Maybe it. we should just get some t-shirts and a magic marker and just kind of hmm. make up our own thing. You go ahead and do that. You see who buys them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. You can now find our podcast on Spotify as well as Google Play. That took a lot of work. And uh, thank you, Libby, for getting that done. That's fantastic. I would like. I can't wait to see how some of the numbers come out with that. Libby, our producer, is so exhausted from going through that process, she's been bedridden for a week. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's true. Sounds like a lot of red tape. And a few others. Tune in, Stitcher, Podbean, Podmus. Podbean. Yeah. 
Well, people are listening right now. And maybe you were telling me that our numbers are still growing. Yeah, they are. Which is very nice to hear. Speaking of Bitcoin, right there, right around that 64 mark. It's been there for three weeks anyway, though, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been kind of running, bouncing around, kind of between 63 to kind of 68. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's a triangle. It's kind of ending soon. It's kind of getting narrower and narrower. And I believe... The uh, futures market, the next strike date is, it's coming up soon and a lot of people are predicting that once that's over, you're going to see some kind of movement. Some people are predicting it's going to tank. Some people are predicting it's going to go up. I've been reading some fairly positive undercurrents that make me think it's going to go up, perhaps more than it's going to go down. Although you never really know, right? So, hard to say. It all depends where the futures market seems to go to, because the big money seems to make it go where they want. Well, it's still a long-term play, no matter how you look at it. Oh, yeah. And that's the way we've always looked at it, and that's what we've always preached, is that uh, stay long-term, right? If it's yeah happens to get down a little bit more, then might be a good opportunity to pick some up. You know, something you take a lot of interest in, and all of a sudden it gets really boring for a really long time. And then all of a sudden it just pops and just blows your mind, right? Sounds like Netflix. I mean, my my feeling is that this kind of boring phase is construed to be exactly that, to try to get people despondent, sell off their Bitcoin so, you know, the the big money can snatch it up cheap. Mm -hmm. At which point when they're done accumulating, uh, I guess the term is accumulation phase. There's a lot of accumulation going on apparently. Um, There's been some monitoring on the back end of Bitcoin activity. It seems to be on the rise. The price doesn't reflect that, but apparently there's some interesting positive divergence happening uh, Hmm. on the weekly. A lot of bullish signs, although, you know, when there's too many bullish signs, it's almost prudent to counter trade and or assume it's going to go down instead of where everyone thinks it's going to go so it's hard to say Hmm. my general feeling is there's a very good possibility you could see the upper five thousands i feel if that happens uh, that'll probably be a fairly quick spike down and then the start of a bull run i did do a bit of research on bull runs from what i can tell you know you can't really assume anyone's right when they make their prediction but there was a pretty significantly interesting argument put out there that the next bull run is gonna should go up to about 127,000 wow you know there was some good points made in it um Hmm. it seems a bit ridiculous uh you know we're sitting down here at 6,000 or so but uh, (laughs) like i said there's a lot of positive divergence more and more people are learning about bitcoin and dabbling in the water the exchange registrations are climbing significantly and don't forget it's a global currency so just what you know you may observe happening in your country is not necessarily indicative of what's happening worldwide you know that's important there's a lot of people living in china that are significantly acquiring bitcoin and they kind of have to do it on the sly Mm. Um, there's a feeling that the currency may be significantly devalued and which is driving them into bitcoin and then you have the turkey issue going on as well as venezuela 
um, like we've said in the past, and then Argentina with their 40% annual inflation rate. You they, know, they need Bitcoin. I'm telling you, like, there's so many troublesome issues going on out there, even just with straightforward banking has become so ridiculous with the FinTrack and such that, you know, I, I really look forward and hope for a day when Bitcoin becomes a, a viable currency accepted by everyone. Right. Because for me, you know, when it comes to business banking, it's just, it's ridiculous the <laughs> amount of fees I'm paying. But not just the fees, but also the hassles you go yeah. through to try to actually get something done. I just look forward to it. So... Hmm. My feeling is it's a much better solution already. It's only a matter of time. Some people would argue against that, but my feeling is the technology's there, the ease of use, or perhaps the security side of it. You know, as Andreas Antonopoulos uh, mentioned in one of his recent speeches, don't forget that Bitcoin's kind of like an open source project. So there's people from all over that choose to work on it. And Andreas is saying, you know, the, the real goal is to just continue making it better and more usable. And so the next bull run will be more ready with the uh, the Segwit 2x as well as the Lightning Network, which uh, facilitates very quick and small transactions. You know, and you have Bact coming out, BAAKT, NYSE, I believe, is collaborating with Microsoft. Right. Where they're going to offer the ability for Starbucks to accept Bitcoin. Uh, you know what? I did read that. I remember That's, reading that. That rollout's coming early December, so you know you go through Starbucks with your phone. That brings a lot of awareness. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like it's one thing to actually have the ability to do it. Yes. But the fact that Starbucks is doing it over so many franchises. That's fantastic Bitcoin uh, news. There's potential there for basically free advertising. Sure. Unlike debit, I think for us in Canada, the typical Canadian bank account, you get maybe 15 or 20 debit transactions right. free a, yeah. a month or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then you pay. Then after that, pay it's like pay 30 pay. cents or 50 <laughs> cents or something like that. Lightning Network, you know, it's basically five to 10 cents. Right. To do a transaction. It's interesting, the real viable alternatives. Now that five to 10 cents it costs you on a Lightning Network to do a transaction, is that still gonna be worth it if you're buying a $4 coffee? I would say that's a question, right? Like how often do you use your debit card? Do you have an account with free debit transactions or not? I don't know. But I think like you said, just the fact that if they do come out and announce that they are accepting Bitcoin will be huge. Yeah, oh yeah, the awareness side of it. But you know, don't forget that, you know, that fee is the same no matter what amount of money you move, right? So whether you're buying a car or buying a coffee, you're still paying 10 cents. Well, on Reddit, there was a the guy who moved money, I don't know how many hundreds of Bitcoins, to a different Bitcoin address. I think it turned out to be $242 million right. worth of Bitcoin. He moved it, cost him 15 cents. Wow. We're a bit behind the times in Canada as far as technology. I mean, Amazon Pay, I don't even think, has come to Canada yet. And if I'm selling online and I'm a merchant, I'm at, it's very difficult to get set up with Google Pay and Apple Pay as of yet. If I'm in the States, it's a lot easier. But Right. We're getting there. But, you know, I mean, Apple Pay and Google Pay, it's basically being people just paying for a service or a good, you know, service or merchandise with their phones. Mm -hmm. And Bitcoin is really the unilateral payment system for paying any amount with your phone. That's great news, I think. Let's, we'll see. My general feeling is there's going to be a lot of weird questions and emotions around it, but Bitcoin really should be worth a couple hundred thousand dollars within a couple of years. I haven't heard a valid argument against why it shouldn't be. So, right. I mean, I'm assuming for it not to be, you really have to propose a 
a payment solution better than Bitcoin. And Nobody's there yet. Sure, there's smart contracts and such things, but Bitcoin, it's just rolling along, right? There's so many programmers working on it, implementing new ideas, cutting-edge solutions, trying to minimize the size of transactions and transaction blocks. I just love it. I'm really bullish on it. Don't take my advice. Because <laughs> you know what? We're not broadcasting this from our yacht or anything. No, we, we're just making our own educated guesses. There's a non-zero percent chance That's it. it could go to zero. That's it. It may be infinitesimally small and if you yeah. depend on the people you talk to some people don't think it's infinitesimal at all they think there's a really very large chance it goes to zero sure they're allowed to think what they think so if it goes to zero then it goes to zero it's it's a shame but i really can't see it but who knows right keep with it people if it goes to one penny then maybe i'll just buy all 19 million of them or something there you go <laughs> and then hold all yeah <laughs> If I'm the only guy with Bitcoin, there's not gonna. How many people are actually gonna still? Yeah, I'm, uh, I I don't know if I'd want to be the only guy. What else is happening out there? Well, uh, stock market's crunched down a bit, right? But this is earnings week, so I think Amazon and Tesla and all those guys are reporting this week. I heard on the way over here that Dyson is getting into the electric car market. Okay. They have invested four billion dollars. Yeah. Trying to get into the electric car market. Who they are calling the direct competition is Tesla, BMW. Yeah, I apologize. There was another one out there, but they're going after the high-end electric car market. Okay. Dyson make vacuum cleaners, do they not? They'll make a really cool-looking electric car that that looks like a cool one. vacuum cleaner. And yeah, it asks for three times the price of a Tesla. I don't know. You know why wouldn't they? A very successful. Oh, if there's money in company, it. Company, sure. If you're a business, right, you go after opportunity. So for whatever reason, potentially a very good valid reason, they chose to go that way. Yeah, I was shocked when I heard it. We'll see how it plays out. But you know, their hand dryers are in a lot of washrooms now. Yeah. You pick me up a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Yeah. The thing works like a charm even to this day. Yeah. It's an expensive vacuum cleaner, but it's a very good vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Well, that's what you want, right? Sure. Vacuum. Yeah. So. But oh yeah, Bank of Canada apparently. The word on the street is their interest rates are going up a quarter point tomorrow, as uh, today is being Wednesday, October 21st. I guess I'm in a lot of trouble if I work at Starbucks and have a $700,000 mortgage, aren't I? <laughs> well, uh, what did I read? I read on Greater Fool today. Well, I'm going to quote it here because oh, I don't okay. want to get it wrong. Yeah, all right. Although my eyes are shot. And you refuse to wear glasses. What? Do you have glasses? No, the optometrist said he should have them, and he says, no, I won't get them because I won't wear them. Well, I won't. I'll lose them or misplace them. And... Why don't you just get those readers? I got him some readers. That's all you really need. Well, I got readers for work. And you never wear them. <laughs> I feel like I'm being wow. here. My producer apparently has some real issues with my lack of eyeglass wearing. I, I'm pretty sure your producer has to listen to you bitch about not being able to see things. You, you want to hear about not being able to see things? Speaking of glasses, you guys are going to love this. And there's a keyboard on your phone. Did you know that there is another little letter within that key that is a symbol? Yeah. I had no idea that was on my phone until I put my glasses on and looked at my phone. Oh, no. Wow. So you're pretty far gone. I discovered that two nights ago. So you're almost legally blind at this point, then. 
I'm not sure. I'm not legally blind. Good lord. Does that mean I get one of those stickers for my car? You're not allowed to drive the car. Yeah, you're, maybe. Oh, you might lose your license I wouldn't soon. tell anyone about that. Oh, come on. There's nothing that small out in the road to hit. I'm going to bring it up so I can show you because I'm not making this up. It depends on the phone too, right? Do you see the little... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're big. They're big. <laughs> okay. They are not big. Our producer saw him right away, by the way. I happened to have my glasses on once I was reading the paper, and I picked up my phone to see who texted me, and I went to respond to them. And, you go, and, oh, I'm, wow, and I'm like, whose phone is this? I'm like, there's little numbers in there. I had no idea. Little magical numbers. Of course, the kids laughed at me like crazy, and Carrie shook her head at me, and I have an eye appointment in November. Yes, the Bank of Canada raising interest rates, how it's going to affect homeowners. Okay, so there was, a, I think it's Ipsos Reid poll, a survey that was done. I think throughout Canada, it doesn't state that because I'm reading it off of the greaterfool.ca uh, blog. The poll asked, thinking of the cost of money rising, are you worried about paying your monthly bills? Might this even cause you to contemplate bankruptcy? The results... 62% of the survey takers are worried, and 46% are mulling over undertaking bankruptcy. Wow. Now, I believe this poll was for first-time homeowners, but maybe not, but it makes sense if it was. Anyways, the Ipsos poll also found amongst all ages, a third said more increases could cause them to fail, and almost half, 45%, claim they're already struggling with the effect of higher rates. Now, just so everyone knows, the current Bank of Canada rate, I believe... Well, it's got to be, what, 8 9%? <laughs> what is it? What is it, Vince? You One, tell me. This increase will bump it up to 1.75? Basically... People shouldn't have borrowed the money. A lot of people that could just barely afford <coughs> buying houses recently with the low interest rates... You know, they're already in trouble, so I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but the, the results of that poll coming in seems pretty dark to me. Very dark. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people struggling out there. So. Sounds like a big short, too, coming into play. Yeah, on the upside, though, uh, you know, there may be some very good house prices coming in a year or two. Very good. Well, that's, that's great if you happen to be the small portion of people out there looking for a home. I'm more worried about the number of people out there that it's going to hurt who are already in their homes, can't afford it. Yeah, but I got to ask you, what kind of a moron would buy a house in the last two years at the top of their budget? Hundreds of thousands. Knowing, knowing it's probably overvalued by double the amount. There's hundreds of thousands of morons out there. Right. So do I feel sorry for them? No. Sure. I hear what you're saying. But you know what? I feel sorry for the fact that it stagnates the economy because that is money that they couldn't afford before. But with another quarter point, they're not eating out. They're not doing things. They're not going anywhere. They're sitting in their great big giant $3 million homes on patio furniture eating craft dinner. Oh, I know. I know it hurts us all. So I still say it's the fucking banks. The banks did this. Why did they give these people this money to begin with? And we all know the answer to that, but that's who I like to blame for it. It's going to come to a crash one day. Well, the, the 2008 housing crash in the U.S. is what triggered it, right? Because Canada did not want to have its own housing crash. <laughs> oh, so sure. They, they immediately dropped rates hugely and instituted the 40-year mortgage. <laughs> So you can get a mortgage for 40 years. Before that, it was only 30. They moved the minimum down payment on the house down to 5%. And it used to be 20. What is going through your head with a 40-year mortgage? 
Well, the government didn't want the housing market to crash, so they killed interest rates, and they made it super easy for everyone to buy a house. Yeah. And then Jim Flaherty, the old uh, finance minister, worked under Harper. I think he finally threw out the 40-year mortgage. And they moved up the minimum down payment, I believe, to 10% because the housing market was getting overheated, but it was mm-hmm. too little too late. It just was a runaway train. You, you couldn't point. cool it down at that point. Of course, you know, as soon as you see things going up in value, everybody piles in, right? So all the speculators start buying three or four homes and playing games, and then they go to their neighbors for a dinner party and tell everyone how they made a, a million dollars tax-free just by buying a couple houses and selling them over a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And some of them did. You know, and there's a lot of chicanery going on. Like, um, you know, up until very recently, the CRA, Canada Revenue Agency, to my knowledge, never really got too deep into looking into people's finances, like when they sold the house. They claim it was their primary residence, and then they would get all the income from that house tax-free. Because currently in Canada, any income you make from selling your home is tax-free income. Right, they're starting to clamp down on that. Yes, they you want may, to change that. You may see that disappear soon. But, you know, I think the biggest problem we have right now is a lot of people renting out basements and bedrooms and not declaring that as income. Airbnb? It's related, but not really the same. Right. But, you know, there are people who they finish the basement in their house. They rent out the whole basement for 1500 a month, and they don't claim that income, so they're not paying tax on it. Sure, okay, it's good for them, but it's kind of unfair in a way because if you have enough people doing that, it kind of inflates the value of houses even then right right so i can buy this house for 500 grand and rent out the basement and you know make an extra 30 grand a year and then the interest rates go up point and a half and people stop renting your basement you're in trouble well if they declared the tax on that i mean the tax rate is significant it's it's basically taxable at income Right. So if you're already making a hundred thousand a year, what's the tax on a hundred thousand? I don't know. It's about forty percent, I think. Sure, go forty percent. Right. So if you're renting out your basement and say you're making another thirty grand in rent, your tax bracket is now one hundred thirty thousand. Right. You maybe have been moved up another tax bracket, but of that thirty thousand rent, you need to pay that percentage of tax too. So. Your, re- your real income from 30000 rent could be 20000 or 15000 even, mm-hmm. cut in half. Yeah. But very few people do it, and they're starting to go after that heavily now. Problem is, if they find you, then they look back at your history and... <laughs> they'll hit you for five years you know you've been doing it for years and they find out they could easily bankrupt you you won't even see it coming but oh we love to talk about housing prices don't we it's amazing yeah it's a beautiful subject everyone drank the kool-aid everybody drank the kool and everybody got stupid i can't wrap my head around a 40-year mortgage yeah from what I've been told from my dad, you know, I hate to be that guy saying this, but is that buy a house that you can maybe one day actually own. Whatever happened to the two and a half times your salary? I know you can't do that today. I know it doesn't exist. What do you mean? People didn't all of a sudden start making $190,000 a year. That's the long-term average, right? That's insane. Which means that it's going to revert to that. Good, Uh, I guess. What do the price of houses have to do to revert to that mean they need to drop by how much uh, significant i don't know percentage wise what are we talking 30 40 percent no no i would say more than that 
there you go. Like that, my estimate is a a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar house at peak price, which was spring two thousand seventeen. Generally, it'd have to revert to around probably two seventy to three ten mark. That'll put the entire economy into a spin. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm going to be left standing is all I got to say and I feel sorry for all those people out there that aren't yeah but it's a great lesson to learn especially when you're young you learn it and then you don't ever forget I guess it always comes full circle right they're the hardest lessons to learn mm-hmm. well they're the greatest lessons though in a way because they're so rare it's been a 30 year run of a bull housing market which you can understand why people would continue assuming it's going to keep going up. Like I like to say, the high hand fallacy. But the reality is house prices go up until nobody can afford them and then they come down. (laughs) Nobody can afford them. Uh, We're there now, are we not? Canadians are not making, well, what's the minimum wage? 14 an hour? I heard on the news the other day that over the last five years we have made 4% less than we were making. Yeah, house prices doubled in that. What does that tell you? 40-year mortgage got introduced? It tells me you're an idiot if you're buying a house like (laughs) in the last four years. Like, not an idiot, but, I mean, you didn't. didn't I hope you had the money to be able to afford it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right? There's that side of it, too. If you you can afford it and you want a house and the conditions justify buying one, then by all means. But if you're struggling and, you know, you think renting's for losers, that's why you're buying a house, even though you can barely afford it. Oh, they told so many people that. They told so many people homeownership was everything. Yeah, but, you know, are there enough people out there that still take the media for their word? Yes. Like... Yes. You know, I learned a long time. Every written word they read, you know, they for, take as gospel. For better or worse, I was an idiot and started doing some uh, foreign exchange trading 10, 12 years ago. Right. You know, I learned very quickly that the media is... The news that comes out is what big money wants to, to tell you to manipulate your buying behavior and... When it comes to houses in Canada, the media has been all in on bull housing. Yes. In some ways, that was the most lucrative market. So if you're a newspaper and you you want to run ads, the only people that are buying ads in newspapers or have been over the past 10, 15 years has probably been real estate brokerages because it's such a beautiful thing. Right. So if you're a newspaper reporter or you write an editorial and then all of a sudden real estate companies are paying you to write about them, you know, you get in this weird relationship where, you know, you are influenced by the real estate market and you also influence the real estate market. Independence is lacking. So my feeling is a lot of people don't understand the power of influence of real estate on media and how it manipulates buyer behavior. A lot of people have drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, well, let's hope everyone gets out alive. I hope so, too. Anyway, we'd like to thank you, everyone, for listening this week. <laughs> Sorry you had to tolerate my rambling. <laughs> we, 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 like, we like to chat every once in a while. So uh, have a great night, everybody, and thanks for listening, and uh, be kind to each other. Yeah, thanks for listening. Take Good care. Night. Bye. Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Bitcoin.